Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Larkcast. Uh, if you're new, my name's Tony, and the next voice you're about to hear is Russell. Hello, Russell. <laughs> What's up, dude? <laughs> Russell. It's a good name. My mother gave me that name, and she's the only one that calls me Russell. It's so funny that you have a brother named Shane. And my mom wanted to name me Shane. And my dad was like, no. No. It's after that old Western movie, wasn't it? I don't know what I don't know what she was thinking or where she got it from, but she liked Shane. Ask her, man. I could have been a Shane for sure. Shane's a good Um, name. But my my dad, you know, dark hair, oily, oily dark skin, you know, paisano. (laughs) Was like, nah, we need a need a good strong Italian name. Let's name him Anthony, Tony, and out comes this translucent skin, freckled redhead kid <laughs> with an Italian last name. Amazing. Sometimes in life, man, the things that we see and experience, the things that come to be, just don't line up with their names. Oh man. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> this pastoral moment, this transition, brought to you by Russ Johnson. That's pretty <laughs> if good. You're man, wondering, if you're wondering what what the heck are they laughing about, like what what was the big deal about that? Well, today on the Larkcast, Lark, I will said I I once say Larkcast and I said Larkcats. Today the Lark Cats. The Lark Cats. Today on the Lark Cats. Today on the Lark Cats. Uh, we're continuing our conversation in uh, the book that uh, Russ and I wrote called Reclaim, mm-hmm. and uh, we're in chapter six, and it's titled Church. Yeah, man. And I can I could feel us right now. We're already like on thin ice. We're we are. I'm, we're we're about to step on some eggshells here with this conversation yeah man they're already crackling so yep. wait a second did they just say reclaiming church we did we did you yep. heard it you heard it here folks so we're getting into this conversation um about the church and by no means are we gonna exhaust uh this we can we could talk forever in fact um we wrote reclaim and in chapter six um, it's titled church, but then we wrote a follow-up piece called reclaiming church, which is free with um, just a simple free subscription at larksite.com. Uh, we've yeah. written a bunch of pieces, but reclaiming church is one of them. So head on over there. Uh, you can find reclaim on there as well. Um, but if man, just give us your email address and really we're not selling your information. We're just keeping you in the loop with uh, various resources and things we have going on events. And um, yeah. So if you, at the end of this conversation, if you want to learn more, 
pick up a copy of Reclaim, head to Larkside.com, check out Reclaiming Church. And then if your heart is stirring and you just need someone to chat about, chat with about this, um, reach out, introduce yourself. But we are definitely getting into this conversation today. And we're going to try our best um, to get to all the things that we have in our notes. So, so church, Russ, where do we start? Yeah, it's a can of worms. It really is. Cause it's, let me just say this. I think there's a tension in this conversation for a lot of reasons. We can't get into all of them, but you know, I live out in the real world. You, right. Tony you live out in the real world. Um, so, you know, uh, sometimes I laugh and, and describe us as uh, the word vulgarizers comes to mind. It's a, <laughs> It's a funny word, but a vulgarizer in its original okay meaning was people who took intellectual property and made them available to everyone, everywhere, anywhere, hmm. which was not a common practice at all in the past. Uh, intellectual property was something that was held behind closed doors and then only available to some and, of course, through purchase. So you've got a couple of former pastors on this podcast, if you're new to this who spent yes. a number of years leading in the Western idea of formative, right? Church, what we, what we all think of when we hear the word church. Yep. 10 years and, for me. Yeah. 14 10 years for you. you. Uh, 15 for me. Yep. Okay. Four, well, might be 14, 14 or 15. And it's, uh, you know, we, we, I think we played the game well. We, I think we served well and there was, you know, success, you know, for quote unquote found within, within those structures. But Living out in the real world now, not spending all my time in church meetings and with church members, but, you know, with a, a variety of people, especially people outside the faith, people who are knocking on the doors, people who are kicking the tires of Christianity, you, you find that so many people, dude, have just been burnt and burnt out, okay? Burdened. <laughs> or bored. Yeah. Bored would be another one with what is often handed to them in the name of church. Yes. And so you have on one side, this, these people, and you have that numbers growing rapidly. So mm -hmm. statistically right now, 80% of the people who are outside the church have zero interest in attending a church gathering of any kind. I don't care what you do with it, how cool you make it, how small, how organic, how ancient, how liturgical, how modern, it doesn't matter. Not coming. And that, again, that number's growing rapidly. So there's that crowd. But then there's this crowd that's in the church, okay? And some of them are burdened and bored and wondering, like, man, what do I do? But feel nervous to have this conversation. But then also, dude, you have, like, the safeguards, right, that are within the church. That just comes swinging, man, if you start challenging what they're doing and pursuing in the name of church. Yes, so I guess that's the reason for like all the eggshells mm -hmm. crackling right now when this conversation comes up. So anyways, I just wanted to say like, wherever you are listening in right now, like wherever you are in your journey, just know we love you. We're glad you're here. And th these are of, what we're going to be getting into are just a lot of things that we have learned over the years, especially the last 10 years of practice outside of the walls of the church. Yeah. And what we're pulling from here, though, is not our experience. We're, it's actually from what's in the scriptures. Yeah. 
because contrary to popular belief, what we're often grabbing onto in the name of church, it's just not in the Bible, man. Yes. It's just not there. And I think uh, you're right about the gatekeeping. Um, those who are at the helm of, you know, institutional Western normative expressions, you know, like mm -hmm. when, when the average person thinks of church, um, whether you're outside or inside, you're going to think about this, this version you were handed when you mm -hmm. were born. And I think that that's one of the things that we have to keep in mind that all of us were born into a day and a time and an age. Um, and you were handed something, um, an expression that is called the church and right. it has uh, a building uh, it has a professional staff. It has an order of service and it doesn't really matter like what denomination you are. It all kind of follows a pretty, you know, similar script. Yep. And so I think we have to recognize our cultural bias um, and the cultural experience that we all uh, have been handed when it comes mm -hmm. to this conversation and that's why it's so important to go back to the scriptures and to go back to Jesus himself and say, okay, well, what is this thing mm -hmm. that we're referring to? And to allow that to really, you know, shape and frame our understanding of this. And we're going to get into this probably towards the end um, because we're, we're not like militant, dude. We're not like church purists so to speak, we're not coming at it from, you know, from that, uh, angle or perspective. I think you see it like a lot of guys who are just like, no dude, like this is like what's here and it cannot deviate from this. We need to get back to the purity of this thing. We need to do it right or else God's not going to bless it. And that's where we'll go mm -hmm. back to reclaim one is God is sowing the seed of his son all over the world. Dude, he's even throwing nope. seeds right on the freaking, you know, pavement and in the weeds. Um, so God is in all places at all times at work constantly. Yep. Um, and we can't really hold on to that while also saying God's left the church because he, I mean, or the Western normative church. He, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't at yep. all. So this isn't a conversation about like our way is better or this pure way or, you know, any of that, no. but we are going to definitely get into some, some realities and challenge some realities. Yeah. And I think the reason why I landed in those, in the place of challenge, man, that led to all of my rethinking and then eventually the right, the writing of reclaim and you know the work that we're doing now as Lark as a ministry for me, it just came down to looking in the scriptures at this, like I'm looking at the life and practice and the ways of Jesus. And then I'm looking at what we're doing in the name of church. And I'm going, yeah, and they're, they're, uh, they're not the same. <laughs> it wasn't like a, a, a slight against, you know what I mean? What I was trained in, in Bible college and what I led in, in the church world, it was, and it wasn't like, well, man, we got to, you know, like you just said, like, we got to get this pure model somehow. Let's really figure this out. It was more just a disconnect. Jesus seems to have this time to not only walk with and disciple the people that are closest to him, but he's constantly reaching out to people and helping people on the outside who never felt apart come into experiencing what God's like and finding life in him.
Mm -hmm. And you're watching this simple, beautiful movement that's happening. And I'm like, I'm leading this thing and I'm all caught up with all my time and energy in it. And I'm helping everybody else that's a part of it, put all their time and effort and money and energy into it. And we're doing it all in the name of trying to see other people awaken to the joy of life and freedom in Jesus. However, we don't have any actual time for them. <laughs> yeah, We can't spend our time walking with these people the way Jesus did because there's just not enough. You just can't do both men with the calendar. You have, you have limited margin in your life. Right. So eventually you find yourself going, well, I got to be faithful to this idea and system of church, or I got to find a way to be faithful to, to these people that I'm discipling over here, but I don't know how to do both. Yeah. And when you start kicking the tires of that dude, like again, all the red flags start coming up and it's like, well, why are we pushing back on this? All I'm trying to do is just spend my time doing what Jesus did. And I remember some church leaders going, what are you saying? And I'm like, guys, what we're doing in the name of church, I'm not saying it's wrong or evil or sinful, but I am saying we're spending our time and energy and effort and money doing things that Jesus never did mm -hmm. and never once told us to do. Mm -hmm. That should make us hit a pause button here. We're talking about we are following Jesus. However, we're spending all of our time doing what he never did and never told us to do. Yeah, and I think uh, the for me. Yeah. The um the unfortunate truth is that that was one of the things that one of the accusations against Jesus was that he spoke against the temple. Yes. And so in a in a Jewish uh religious setting um that the scriptures were written in the temple was everything. Yep. It was everything. It was it, in fact, it, it functioned like a, a mediator. The priesthood and the temple and the sacrificial system functioned as a priesthood. Yeah. Um, meaning you needed to go to this place um, to have communion and relationship with God. And Jesus comes onto the scene and he's pretty adamant throughout all the scriptures. He goes, hey, all these things that are at in place in your understanding, your framework of how all this works, priest, sacrifice, temple. Jesus goes to great lengths to show, hey, that like that thing is like a shadow. It's almost like an arrow and it's pointing somewhere. It's not the real thing in and of itself. I am the temple. I'm better than the temple. Oh, you want to talk about these priests over here? I am the great high priest. Oh, this sacrificial system over here, guess what? I'm the lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. And so here's this, all these, the the, the pieces, right? In the story, mm -hmm. Jesus comes in and says, I'm the actual substance of that. And he did not play nice with the institution. And so no. again, he looks at these dudes and he goes, yeah, this temple right here. Um, I'm going to tear this thing down and rebuild it. And he was like in other places, kind of like, he, he just didn't yep. like adore or like put up the temple in, in such like, you know, um, elevated sanctified terms. Cause he knew that something better than the temple was him himself. And so he spoke against it 
And that was one of the things that they brought against him when they were trying to build a case against him. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're talking about an entire religious system, the roles of leadership, the roles of the members, right? The sacrificial system, the place of the temple, the synagogue in between. It's, it's an entire construct, but so much of that was made up, one, by us and our attempts to, you know, human nature, we talk about this a lot, and our attempts to bring some element of control and security, because as if God's not enough, we orchestrated a lot of these things people did. And then the other parts that God puts in place, he puts all of them in place, like you said, man, to point us to the coming one. Because his plan from the beginning, and please hear this if you're if you're new to this podcast, if you hear anything, please hear this. We were created to live in union with God. Father, Son, Spirit, perfect union, Trinity, right? God. We were created to live in union with, with him. His plan from the beginning, always, was to dwell in us and us to dwell in him. Mm -hmm. In other words, his plan has always been people are his temple. People are who he dwells in. Yeah. But we, that doesn't compute for us. And so no different than what we do now in the name of church was no different than what Israel was doing in the past. And, you know, because the temple gets brought up a lot, but the temple was a, you know, the temple was the the brainchild of King David, okay? It's built by Solomon, right, his son, seven years later. And just hear this, God made it known to David that he never asked for humans to build him a temple. He told David through the prophet Nathan, and I quote 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 7, wherever have I moved with all the Israelites, this is what God says, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people, Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? When did I ever ask for this? So it only makes sense why Jesus would show up and take this entire construct, this religious, ritualistic, right, system mm -hmm. that we're all so clamoring for because we think it's what's needed to enter into and to maintain some type of life and relationship with the living God, would he show up and speak the way he did, knowing, knowing damn well, this is going to lead to him losing his head, mm -hmm. right? He speaks in a synagogue, right? When he gets done, they're trying to stone him to death. He goes to the temple and he's flipping chairs and tables because of, right, because of what they've turned this thing into and what they're undoing. Mm -hmm. Like this is... Oh, the temple? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tear that thing down, just so you know. Well, yeah, even you and just mentioned... build it in three days. <laughs> yeah, he's referring to his body. Yes, um, yes. Which is the gathering place, which is the actual yes. place that we meet and commune with God through the person of Jesus. And I think that's what's getting lost, yes. Yeah. Spot on. And you mentioned synagogue in a similar vein. Synagogue, the term synagogue, um, or how um, your average kind of like Jewish person would experience a synagogue is kind of a similar to like a local church. Mm -hmm. It was just a building and they gathered there. But that term synagogue, it's a Greek word. Mm -hmm. It's a Greek word. It's not this like way back in the Old Testament, right? Right. It's not a Hebrew God word. said, thou shalt build synagogues, plant synagogues. It was just kind of like, Hey man, we're dispersed. 
We share a common faith. We're far from the temple. Let's just build a building that we can use to house travelers, bless the community, and come together every once in a while. There wasn't a thou shalt do the synagogue Mm -hmm. thing. They just kind of like decided to do that. And when they went to go name it, they used a Greek term to describe it. Yeah. Because underneath all that, like you said, is, is a misunderstanding of identity. Okay. Through our union. And it's a, it's a misunderstanding of what life in that union entails. And I think that is the underlining thing that we're trying to unpack and get to in, in reclaim chapter, chapter six, because the church, what we're ultimately saying here is the church is not a religious institution. Okay. It's not by definition, it's a called out people. The church is first and foremost, okay, who we are, who we are as people in Jesus, mm-hmm. not what we do. All right. It's, it's, it's a people. <clears throat> it's not a place. So in first Corinthians chapter 12, it says, now you are the body of Christ. You, he's referring to all believers. Now you, by your faith, are the body of Christ. Are you ready for this? <laughs> and individually members of it. Yeah. That's why Ephesians refers to this idea of one church in the world, because there's only one body of Jesus. Like there's not multiple Jesuses that we're living in. Mm -hmm. So in Ephesians chapter four, it says there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all if you back up in chapter two so now you gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners you are citizens along with all of god's people you are members of god's family singular okay romans chapter 12 so we though that we are many are one body in christ it says and individually members of one another so recently when somebody was like, hey, man, uh, what, what church do you go to? I was like, well, I don't. No, hold on a second, dude. Like you're like a you're like a pastor, man. You like lead this like ministry and you don't go to church. And I'm like, well, it's a complicated term. But uh, no, no, I don't. And so anyways, it led to someone sitting down right next to me at a bar and going, all right, explain. So, well, the church, by definition, is just who we are, man. You believe in Jesus. Okay, you awaken to a union you were created to dwell in. You become part of the body of Christ. You take up residence in him. He takes up residence, right, in you. Mm -hmm. This is reality. And the term that was used for that is, one of the terms is the church. One body in the world. One movement of people who believe in Jesus with one God that they're following. And they are all members of one another. Wherever I go in the world. I find fellow members of the one church, the one body in the world by which I'm a part. It's yep. an it's a term of identity, yep. not somewhere I go to. And this dude was like, "Bro, where where has that been? <laughs> like, how did like how did we move away from such a simple, beautiful reality? Because man, I feel like that would just totally free up like who you could connect with, and like when you travel and where you are, like in the city, and who you could." you know, find ways to work together and 
And like, man, and think like how simple that would be like reaching out to people. Like you would just, just like offer them friendship, man, instead of like having to bring them to this thing that they got to come become a part of in order to follow Jesus. Yeah. Not only, uh, but you're miles and miles and miles ahead, man. Amen. Yeah. And it's surprising to me how many people that that is new information. Um, And again, it goes back to the cultural experience that we all have the understanding, you know, um, of that. So church is an identity. It refers to a people. And -hmm. I think the follow-up question would be like, well, aren't these people like free to gather? Like whenever you have a common belief and a common practice and a community of common values, are you saying that we're not, not free to gather like that? We can't do the synagogue thing that we can't build buildings and gather and, you know, all that. And we're saying like, no, you can, you can for sure. But the, but the pressure, once you do that or that thing to become, to follow the same line as the temple is there. And it's very, very real. Now that really quick, let me say this to follow the example of a thing that Jesus exposed a thing that God said was never my plan or anything I asked for. And Jesus goes on and says, we'll be destroyed and will be rebuilt in me in three days as I will forever dwell in you and you and me. So for me, like these are the breadcrumbs, man, that we got to kind of take a minute and look at, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Pick them up and smell them and taste them and be like, yeah, maybe we can do this, but maybe there's something e- even better. Yeah. And I think that was for me a discovery and just looking at the scriptures and going like, there's one of the words that often comes up in this conversation is the word ecclesia. Okay. It's, it's in the scripture and it's often used in reference to the church. Like the ecclesia is the church. And that's, we, that's why we need to build things like synagogues, right? So we plant churches like synagogues and, we have the priestly order structure of leadership to member and services and right and on down the line. And, uh, but one of the things that I've learned over the years from, from the scriptures in Roman history is ecclesia was a, it wasn't a religious term. It wasn't a spiritual thing. The ecclesia was benign. Okay. And ecclesia actually finds its root in this understanding of like a military gathering on a mission. It actually had nothing to do with the church. In other okay. words, it's just a secular everyday term, not a sanctified thing that God said, right. Hey, do this thing. And it's going to be called this unique name. Yep. It was just a simple gathering. People of a like mind would get together for a common cause done. So one of the things that I think has been helpful for me is understanding again, like you just brought up Church is identity. By definition, it's who we are as members of the body of Christ. So whoever you are, wherever you are right now, you are the church. Done. There is nothing for you to have to go to. Nothing. It's who you are. By a deed and declaration of Jesus. Is there some That's like a- annual thing I got to do to like <clears throat> maintain my, my status and membership? Um, some people would believe so, but I haven't done well with that one either. So... <laughs> 
I don't think you have, have you? A certain annual number of dollars I need to give or attendance percentage or do yeah, I need to go I stand don't. in front of a bunch of people, sign a doctrinal statement? Come, yeah. Become members of this thing that the scriptures say you already are members of one another because you are together in the body of Christ by something Jesus did. Yes. No, no, we don't. So here's the beauty of it, though. Ecclesia was a gathering. And so like in, in Hebrews 10, it always comes up, well, man, what about the gathering? What about the gathering? What about the gathering? Because, you know, we were commanded to gather. And Russ, there's like 51 and others in the scripture that we've been called into that we could walk through in the New Testament. We get into a lot of those in Reclaim chapter six, by the way. So grab a yeah. copy if you really like to dig into that. But it always comes up like we've got to gather because we were commanded to do it. And, and we've got all these one another's. And so that's why we need this church slash synagogue idea system of belief and practice. To which case I'm going to say, um, okay, church against identity. Ecclesia is not the church. The church gets together. That's an ecclesia. Okay. Number two, in the New Testament, that ecclesia, that the, the church getting together in pockets and places throughout the world as it was as the as the gospel was spreading, it took place in homes. These were persecuted people. Okay, persecuted. When you say in in a Roman Empire that Caesar is not Lord Jesus is, they um, they come for your head. They don't give you building permits. Yeah, that building permit's going to get denied. Yeah. When you say what y'all going to do over there? Lord. What y'all going to do over there? <laughs> uh, we're going to just like declare Caesar's not Lord, and, but Jesus is. Yeah, yeah, permit denied. We'll have your head now. Yeah, exactly. Again, why they're persecuted. And then you have the persecution coming from, from Jewish leaders who had not believed in Jesus and completely denied all that he declared to be God, the Messiah. So when you're saying that Jesus is the Messiah, guess what? The synagogue isn't renting you their facility because they don't use it on Sunday. This isn't like a Seventh-day Adventist idea. You know what I'm saying? When you move into a city in America and you want to plant a church, and so you find like a Seventh-day Adventist group because you know you can borrow their building on Sunday. Right. That's not what's happening with synagogues, folks. So again, the ecclesia, the church gathered, it took place in homes around meals. And it could be, as according to Jesus, it it can be two people, it can be three, right? Dude, technically, you and me right now on this Zoom call is us coming together as members of one another in Christ. Yes. Having this conversation. You know what that is? That's an ecclesia. Right. And I think it's so hard, dude, when if you go all in on the identity as people to embrace peopleine as a, mm -hmm. as a genuine, authentic expression of the church is hard because you've been handed this kind of like packaged, you know, this productized thing to consume this event. And some people do this event very, very well, very, very yeah. well. And there's all kinds of social benefits and there's, um, I'll, I'm just going to say it. There's entertainment value, um, yes. you know, with that. And so it's no, it's no surprise that people have grabbed onto this for a sense of security because people have tied this expression of church to your belonging, to your mm -hmm. obedience. Um, but then there's also this idea of like inspiration 
and I need to be kind of like inspired and encouraged and like built up. And I love to go experience this thing over here because it just kind of gets me ready for, you know, my, my week. And it gives me a sense of something that I belong to. And so when you embrace peopling and friendship, it seems so mundane and so simple compared to what's kind of packaged and presented now. I mean, is it any surprise that the largest churches in your given area are the ones that just put the most time, effort, money, and talent into this hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday? Um, yeah. And then, but there's something very beautiful. And I think this is, I I can see the knock on, you know, people like us, I can, I can hear it. Well, they're always just like, you know, tearing this thing down, but they really have nothing to offer by way of like another way. And yeah, I'll just, Mm -hmm. I don't accept that because no, no, not at all. Um, Jesus and his ways have always been kind of fly under the radar. They haven't been flashy at all. And when Jesus says, Hey, it's not this temple. It's not this priesthood. It's not this, all this like hubbub. Right. But it's just the simple way of just people and friendship. Dude, I can experience that any day. I experienced that through phone calls, through text messages, through driveway fires, meals, connecting. And it's just so beautiful, but our brains are so wired to say, no, it's the Sunday thing over here that we miss out on all this beauty, all this authentic peopling, these relationships and these friendships that can happen 24, seven, 365. Um, and we miss it because no one's pointed to it and said, that's it. But if you're honest with yourself, if you're a kind of person that just desires authenticity over just maybe like um, packaged inspiration for like a one hour on a Sunday, and you really long to like be known, know others and want to experience um, friendships. I don't think you've ever been satisfied with the quote unquote, like the order of service or what you know as church. You've always valued more the conversations ahead of time, the conversations afterwards. You know what I'm saying? Like the real connections with people and all the things that are just like the real meat, dude, like the real things of life where I'm loving people, being loved, being known, um, instead of just coming in and out for an experience, dude, that thing that's genuine, authentic, and meaty, those friendships, those people That's what the church refers to as a friendship. In fact, all the one another's or even the Hebrews 10 passage, everyone's like, well, the Bible says don't neglect the gathering. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, what we do neglect in that passage is what it says about about the gathering and what happens there. It's that it says, don't neglect the gathering together, but come together to encourage one another. And when you go to an average church, you're really showing up just to kind of consume a service that someone Mm -hmm. else put together. Any kind of encouragement needs to happen outside of that. And it can only happen within the context of a friendship. 
In fact, the scriptures are actually pretty anemic when it comes to that ecclesia or even how to do it. It's not the emphasis in the scriptures at all. Not at all. It doesn't put any weight on it. In fact, you will be hard pressed to find out like how these people ecclesia or assembled or what was the order of service and how many songs did they do? And did they have announcements and how long were the sermons and what were the sermons like? There's none of it. None None. of it. No, no. And you don't see Jesus in any way, right? Even handing this thing off and saying, here, go do this. Right. And so that's, you know, I agree with you, man. Like that, that sense of security of like being right, of being obedient that can come with, you know, stepping into the prepackaged idea that, you know, it's often goes by the name church. We're not saying it's bad or evil. Um, Again, just saying we don't find it in the scripture. And what we do find is something that's far more risky, uh, but yet rewarding. Mm. I feel like, like you find like a legitimate adventure. You know what I mean? Like what faith was probably supposed to be when you, when you start to see it through this lens of, of Jesus and how he lived, what he did, what he said, what he invited us into. And so you're right, man, when you get further into the new Testament, you don't have these models that we've often, you know, grabbed onto. And again, that don't forsake this gathering, you're spot on, right? Like the the call there was to encourage one another, not sit and listen to some person do the encouraging. Don't forsake friendships. It's don't forsake friendship. That's right. Don't and forsake again, people. Those, and those things were people coming together along the way, day to day life, walking to work, after work, breakfast, dinner, right? Go on down the line. Natural ways of friendship in the everyday flow of life. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul's pointing to. And so sometimes I heard a, a, a popular preacher the other day who was like just going off on people for neglecting these over 51 another commandments in the New Testament because they're not a part of this formalized, you know, institutional church that we've come up with, mm-hmm. by the way, hundreds of years after Jesus. And I'm sitting there listening to this and going, yeah, you can't, people can't do any of those at your gathering, dude. What are you talking about? None of them. They don't know. They come in and like, they're not practicing 49 of them in that gathering. <laughs> so I'm just like, this just it starts to become like just a straight up lie at that point. But what I think the rub for us is, as humans do, we don't do well with unconditional grace. Yes. Which is Jesus's message. We want to have a hand in it. I don't think we do well with the unplanned life. Yet that was Jesus's way. I only see, I only do, he said, what I see my father doing. Hmm. It's a legitimate adventure of faith with the spirit, right? And the father. And that's what we were invited into, man. But again, we we wrestle with that as humans. And then I don't think we do well with unnamed friendship, which was Jesus's way. Um, we want to brand it. We want to build it. We want to make it happen. We, you know what I'm saying? We want to budget. Like we just go down the list. And I'm not saying we can't create things or name things. Please don't mishear me here. I'm just saying the church, when it comes to like the church, I'm a big fan of just saying the church has a name already. It's called yes. church. Yes. And we're already members of it and members of one another mm-hmm. done. So we really have been invited into 
the rejoicing and the, the, the reveling and the revealing of unconditional grace and stepping into an unplanned life marked by unnamed friendships. And dude, to see that movement become the church again mm -hmm. would be a beautiful sight. And notice I said yeah. the word again. Yeah. Um, I guess in short, Reclaim Chapter 6 is about trying to make what is what is old new again. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what we're trying to help you grab onto. Yeah. And just say that there is another way. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's it's an adventure and it's beautiful and it's it's what we see in Jesus and I think it's what Jesus invited us into. Yeah, and but I think it takes a lot of rethinking. So no, it does. It takes a lot of rethinking and it's 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 hard. It's hard, mm -hmm. and as as two people who have gone through that, um, walking away um, from the institutional thing. Um, while trying not to like hate it, you know, and throw at least too big of a stone at it. Um, yeah, dude, it will, it's a, it's a violent wrestling for sure. And I've seen a lot of friends over the years, like, look at these same scriptures that we've been talking about today, these same realities that we've been talking about today. And it would be one thing, dude, if the church was just like, Hey man, we got our doors open on Sunday and we just have this like really cool, like gathering, come and experience it. But again, like it, it always goes farther from that because yep. what happens is we begin to shape and frame our identity, our maturity, and really dude, in the, in, in the biggest way, even our own like salvation, whether or not we're disciples based on our participation in that thing. And I've always been yeah. like, yo, if I found like a local, like dude, that was just like, Hey man, like I got this building, we got this space, like, man, I'm just going to come bring some good news. And we got someone on guitar and we're just going to like Ecclesia, dude, we're just going to gather with like no strings attached. You don't need to become a member of this thing. Cause you're already a member in Jesus. Do we got a few things for people, you know, if we need to help or whatever, but it's like your maturity and whether or not you're a genuine disciple is not dependent upon your participation here, yeah. dude, that would be great, but there's always a sense of security. There's always a sense of salvation connected to it from a leader standpoint, because he's going to need money to do this thing. There's dollars wrapped up in this. They're going to twist and distort scriptures to say, you know, that again, like what I, what I just said, but it is a violent wrestling to just embrace the church as a simple way of friendship. You'll have FOMO. You'll have all your old, the the the, the ghost of this old understanding will constantly oh, like yeah. haunt you. Um, you're not doing enough. You're screwing up your kids. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. you're not safe. Yep. You're not secure. You're not growing. Um, and so it it is, it's a violent thing. It's a scary thing. But I think what you'll find based on like what you're saying, and I love how you broke that down, just something real and genuine and authentic um, and beautiful um, as you keep going down, but shedding old religious mindsets um, and practices is always very, very hard, especially when it's tied to the, the most important thing, which is all, all mm -hmm. of us want a sense of security that we're in, that we're okay. And that we're loved. And what we're saying is like, just look, you're at Jesus already for that. that. <laughs> you're already that you're, you're already, already there. That. 
that's the good news. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, it, it gets scary, man, but it's worth it. It's worth it it because it is worth it. I feel like it's worth it because the scriptures paint a different picture that leads in my opinion to a better story, man, Mm -hmm. to a better story. And I think that better story is not just more impactful in your life and in your, in, you know, your spouse, right? Your partner, your children's life. Um, it starts to actually become a better story for your neighbor's life. Yes. Because it's no longer bound to this thing. Right. I mean, how many times have we bumped into somebody like, yeah, dude, like I've met neighbors where I live that can't really enter into friendship, man, much less any type of like joint effort of reaching out to other people because they're members of such and such and their calendar's full. The calendar's full. Oh yeah. Because yeah. They're man. Doing I, everything. It's kind of cool what you're doing, but, but we're a part of, and then fill in the blank. We're members of fill in the blank. And dude, I'm like, actually we're members of one another mm-hmm. according to Jesus. That's what we are. Dude, the tribal nature that comes out of the institutional church is a gross detriment to the movement of Jesus. In my opinion. Yeah, it's found nowhere in the Bible and nothing undoes what could be in the name of Jesus, dude, like the tribal centered institutional nature of church. Yeah. And like you think about, you know, what is the central message of the church? It's that you belong Yeah, by something Jesus has done. He, he, by, by yes. becoming human, he's gathered all of us, all of us up in his, in his person in his life and his death and in his resurrection. And it's like, dude, I know even church people who are new to areas who go to churches and they're like, dude, it's just so hard to just get connected to this thing. It was like a chore, just finding friends. And that's like going to a place and visiting the welcome center and putting your name on a card so that someone in a small group can email you and then entering into this already established group of friends. And it's like breaking into that. And that sense of belonging is a chore, dude. Yeah. And all the while over here, it's like, I I don't know of a single person in that 80% that we mentioned who are outside and uninterested in the church. They're uninterested in the church, but from my experience, they're all open to friendship. They're all open Dude, to the friendship. Most, the most encouraged, like I've had some things go on in my life, man. And like in the last six weeks, things that have stemmed from institutional nature, church. Okay. It hasn't been good, man. It's been one more ugly, right? Experience in the name of, I love you, brother. I won't go into details. Um, I'm not going to run anybody's name through the mud here, but I will say this, the most encouragement that I have received, ongoing encouragement, friendship, laughter, hugs, gifts, straight up gifts have come from this entire community of people that I've met hanging out in a, in a local bar, restaurant, and a cigar bar by my house. by people who have recently become believers and some of them who are kicking the tires of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And somebody's like, dude, how have you experienced that type of community in that? Cause, cause you know, we feel so alone over here, which is why, you know, we just decided to, you know, just join the machine. 
again, I'm not saying anything wrong with that. I mean, I get that. I understand the feeling. Yeah. But what I found is I just went into this place and loved on people knowing they already belong because of what Jesus has done. So none of them were a project to fix. They were just a person to love Mm -hmm. and pass on good news and more good news, right? In and through my story and their story. What I'm getting at is if we as people are freed up to just love and pass on scandalous grace and friendship, the community, the connection you're looking for will surface right where you're at. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's the story of the New Testament. That's it right there, man. Let that be church. At least by identity and practice and see what Jesus does. That's what we're inviting you into here. Not knocking on what you've known or what you do, but saying there is a better story in the scripture and you're free to run it. Yeah. As you can tell, we're a little passionate about this one. (laughs) Yeah, which is probably why we went like over an hour in this conversation. Well, I guess it was needed, man. Till next time. Till next time, bro. Cheers, bro. Cheers. Cheers.